This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So you want to hunt some land birds. Well, this is the right podcast episode for you. Hey, this is George back with the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast, and the YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and bringing new insights to all hunters. Today, we are talking about bird hunting, specifically land birds. This is not waterfowl. We are talking about pheasants and grouse and doves and quail and whatever else you might hunt on land that is uh, a field bird, maybe you would call it. And so... The go after these kind of birds, there's a three steps that you need, right? Three. You got to have three things nailed down if you want to hunt birds. And if you have listened to any podcast episode I have ever done before, you should know what the first one is going to be. The first one is you have got to find the birds, okay? You can't hunt what's not there. You've got to figure out where are these birds at. Where do they live? Where are they during the hunting season? That's maybe the most important part. Where are you going to go? Now, if you're going to go after pheasants, a lot of states, a lot of areas, they'll have stocking. They'll be state-run game land field areas where they will stock pheasants, and you should be able to find those areas through the game commission. right? You ought to be able to, to figure that out pretty easily go online. Oftentimes they will even give you the approximate stocking schedule. So you will know, all right, what weeks are they going to be stocking? Oftentimes you can find out how many birds they're stocking. And if you go a few times, you'll figure out how many others hunt there. And chances are the more birds they stock, the more hunters go there. Uh, But that's not always the case. You know, sometimes you gotta you can push and find areas that are a little further, a little more remote, maybe a little less hunting pressure. But the bottom line is you gotta find places where the birds are. Now, I personally 
I don't know if I should say this out loud, but I despise hunting stalked birds. I do. I still do it. I I still hunt stalked pheasants every season, but I would so much rather be able to hunt wild pheasants than stalked pheasants. However, in my state, at least the area of my state that I'm in, they don't have wild pheasants. And that is other very important information you need to have. Are the birds you want to hunt even in your area or in your state or in your part of the country? There are numerous birds that are legal to hunt in my state. They've got bag limits and everything else, but they don't exist on my half of the state. right? You have to drive four or five hours if you want to find a place where those birds are alive. So you got to try to figure out what is in your area and the places that you can realistically go to hunt. So if I want to hunt pheasants, I'm going to have to go to a stock field. If I want to hunt grouse, I've got to go into the mountains away from stocked fields as far as I can go. Because here's the thing. Here's why I don't like pheasant stalking. I shouldn't say that. I have nothing against pheasant stalking. What I have against is what it's become in my area, which is essentially any place where they stalk pheasants is just utterly and completely overrun with hunters seemingly year-round. I mean, there is just non-stop hunters there. They ruin the deer hunting. They ruin the waterfowl hunting. They ruin every other kind of hunting. And they completely obliterate and decimate the grouse hunting. Any grouse that wanders into a stocked pheasant area where I live is going to be dead within minutes. All right, there are no grouse that are going to survive any period of time near a pheasant stocked area because there are just so many hunters and dogs that are coming through there like crazy. So if I want to hunt pheasants, I've got to go to a stocked area. And I've, I've learned where they are. I've learned where the good ones are. I've learned how to hunt them uh, to some degree of effectiveness uh, using various strategies and so on. But if I want to go after grouse, I have to go into the mountains far away from other hunters, far away from anybody with a dog and where they're going to take them. I've got to cover ground. I've got to beat brush. And uh, I just don't do a whole lot of it because it is exhausting to go to the lengths you need to go to to find a grouse in my area. In your area, grouse may be an invasive species and you can't get rid of enough of them. But where I live, they are very, very rare despite being the state bird of Pennsylvania. And so you got to find where is the game you want to hunt. You know, for us, quail are, are a great bird. We've got them. They're just not going to be in any pheasant hunting area unless they're stalking them. They're just not going to survive. Nothing can survive in a pheasant stalking area in western Pennsylvania. Nothing. Everything dies. Turkeys die quail die pheasants die i mean like it's like as soon as they pass the borderline of the pheasant stalking area they're dead it's just it's just what's going to happen the bir a bird flies into the air almost doesn't matter what bird it is it's getting shot down by crazy hunters doesn't matter if it's in season or not doesn't matter if it's even a legal bird i swear these people will shoot anything so it's frustrating. So you gotta, you just gotta roll with it though. If I know if I want to hunt pheasants, I know that I know where to go and I know I need to wear lots and lots of orange so I don't get killed. 
if I want to hunt grouse or if I want to hunt quail or some other bird, I cannot go to those same places. I've got to go elsewhere. And so that's what you need to learn for your area. Where are the birds? Where can you realistically find them? And then go find them. So number one is scouting. Find the birds that you want to hunt. You know, thick rolling fields are great for pheasants. They're good for grouse. They're good for quail too. Doves, they like uh, crop areas where places right after you've cut wheat or cut corn or even before you've cut it. They like those. uh, They're looking for food. They're looking for seeds. They're looking for things like that. They're not living on the ground. Doves are not a ground bird, though they, of course, go onto the ground to eat food. They are absolutely an aerial bird versus grouse and uh, pheasants, which are ground birds. They can fly reasonably well. And, uh, you know, to find doves is a little bit different. Doves is uh, really depends on where you live and what time of the season it is. If you're in a flyway, you can have storms of doves flying through your area. Anywhere where you can find enough opening in the trees to be able to shoot at them, you can hunt them. Other places, you've got to find food plots. You've got to find fields. You've got to find big open areas that are going to be ripe with food and seed and whatever. Some of those are going to be natural. Some of those are going to be man-made. We have some actual dove hunting areas in my general vicinity. And the Game Commission just plants 100 acres of corn. And it grows up and they don't even harvest it. And uh, it's uh, labeled as a dove area, and you better be wearing orange when you go in there, or you might get shot because you got dove hunters in there like crazy. But there are doves, and people walk out of those woods with doves all the time. And so that's one way to do it. I don't really love that way. I would rather get away from the hordes of hunters. But in my area, pretty much the only two places you're seeing, well, there's three places where you're going to see a significant number of doves. In a dove area uh, that has been planted for doves, on power lines, or by bird feeders. Now, of course, if you have private land and you plant crops, you're going to probably find them there as well. But there's not many doves elsewhere except on on, uh, that perfect day where the doves are flying just a little bit more west and, and land in our direction versus where they normally go to the east. But in general, it's a little bit of a harder hunt. But it's not hard if you know where to find them and you know where to go. And so every area has pros and cons. All right, My area is good for stocked pheasants. We have lots of them. We have I could go to half a dozen stocked pheasant areas right now within 20 minutes of my house. And I could hunt pheasants to my heart's desire. Anything else is not as easy. It's not as easy. But, you know, where you're at, maybe you've got lots of grouse in the hills, and and that's the big thing there. So, you got to find the birds. Number two, you need tactics. What are the tactics that you are going to use to hunt these birds? So, basically boils down to two or three, two and a half major strategies. Number one, first and foremost, most popular is with a dog. You get a bird dog and you're going to go out and that dog's just going to go back and forth, sniffing and rooting them out, flushing them into the air, and then you shoot them out of the air. And if your dog's real good, they'll go and retrieve the bird and bring it back to you. 
If you're listening to this podcast, that's probably not you. You probably don't have a hunting dog. Chances are you need one of the other strategies. And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on hunting dogs or dog training or anything like that because that is just not most new hunters. You know what you want to do if you want to hunt with a dog? You find a friend who has a bird dog. And then you ask if you can go with him. And one thing I have indeed learned is that a lot of pheasant hunters or grouse hunters or any kind of bird dog hunter, they love going hunting with their dog. And they're happy to take other people with them. In fact, you just give them another reason to go more often and they thoroughly enjoy that. It's one of the few kinds of hunting where you're really not putting a burden on the other person asking them to take you with them. You know, you want somebody to take you deer hunting. Well, you're basically saying sacrifice your deer hunt and sit there so that I can try to shoot something. You know, same thing with turkey hunting to a lesser degree, waterfowl hunting. Um, But then when it comes to, to bird hunting, that's a time where company people, you're like, oh, yeah, thanks for giving me a reason to get out in the woods again. You know, let's go. Yeah, love it. Let's work the dog. And so they're into that. Not everybody, but a lot of the people, most of the people that I've met that have bird dogs, that's sort of their outlook and temperament. All right, but non-dog tactics. Well, you get out into the woods and you beat brush. You walk through fields. You walk through areas. You try to kick up and flush out birds. You do the job of a dog. You wear heavy pants. They can make brush pants. This is one of the few times where I think it's actually worth spending the money to get the super specialized hunting gear because you need some serious pants that you're not going to get torn to shreds with thorns, that your pants aren't going to get torn to shreds either. And so get some good brush pants, something thick that's going to be able to take a beating and get out there and pound brush. Way two and a half. Not a lot of people do this, but I will hunt pheasants stalking. Like, what do you mean stalking? I will stalk slowly through pheasant areas looking for trails, looking for cut areas, looking for the the, the travel routes. And I will try to catch the birds in their travel routes. So I'm going quietly. I don't want them to even know that I'm there. They're just pecking around, walking, or in a clearing. That's where I'm going to try to find them. And I actually have had much more success doing that than I have beating the brush on my own and trying to flush birds. Now, very, very few people do that. All right. Very few people hunt like that. But in certain areas, it can work and it can work just fine. And you, it's a lot less painful than beating brush. And you don't need to walk quite as far, but you do walk. You can't walk too slow because you do have to cover some ground. But you learn the areas where pheasants like to be, where they hang out, where they relax when they're not terrified of hunters. And of course, if you pull up to a pheasant field and there's a dozen pickup trucks in that parking lot, this isn't going to work. Because every bird in that field is terrified and, and, and motionless and a big p- patch of cover somewhere afraid for its life. Okay, this is just not going to work in that scenario. But... There are plenty of other areas that this will work, that this will be effective. You know, if it's if it's a, a place where hunters haven't been for the day, or maybe they were there in the morning and it's the afternoon and half the day's been quiet, you can slip in there and you might be able to have some luck, especially if it's recently after stalking time. 
Um, if you're out in the wild and they don't stalk, actually, I think this strategy works better there. You can sneak around and, and try to get on top of birds that are not expecting you. And, uh, you know, you only got to get within about 40 yards. And whether you shoot them on the ground or in the air, you know, it is what it is. Now, in some places, they hunt grouse out of trees. You know, they walk around, you see them in the tree, they'll shoot them with a 22. That's not my area. I have never seen a grouse in a tree, but I've, I've watched hunts where that's what people have done. So you just need to be aware of how these birds can be hunted in your area. You, there may be additional options where you hunt beyond what I've talked about here. So the tactics, I mean, not super complicated. They make pheasant calls. You blow a pheasant call and basically you're trying to get a pheasant to answer back. And sometimes they do, not always, not often even, but sometimes. And if you can figure out where they are, you can often sneak in pretty close, close enough to get an eyeball on them or close enough to flush them. That works, can work really nicely on foot. If they don't answer, hey, you're no worse off. And so that's another option. For hunting doves, a little bit different. Um, you obviously you're not probably sneaking up on them, but you're gonna you want to pretty much sit at the corner of a field, or I've seen people sit on a gas line road or some other area where there's big opening in the canopy, and you're gonna basically sit and wait for them to fly over, and you're gonna be in a ready position. If you've got food source, you're gonna camp at the corner of that food source under cover. Now you don't need ridiculous amounts of cover or camo or anything, but you know, you don't want to just be standing in the middle of the field and hoping they're going to just come into you like you're a scarecrow. That's why that doesn't work. And so you want to have some cover. You want to have at least be at the edge of the canopy. And then they, when they fly in, when they dive into that area, depending on the wind and the direction and the right flight path and all that, then you get shots at them. So it can literally be as easy as just pulling up to the edge of a field, putting the lift gate down on your pickup truck and just sitting on the gate waiting for birds to fly over or grabbing a you know camping chair, walking down a gas line road where there's going to be a clearing or something. Just sit there in the middle and wait for these birds to fly over. Now that's only going to work if those birds are in that area, if those birds are flying around like that, if you have those kind of movements in that area and the only way you're gonna know is if you scout if you get out there if you you put time on the ground now what's nice is this time of year when you're hunting all these birds there's a lot of things in season so maybe you're out hunting something else but you're keeping an eye open for what else is moving when and where and how in your area Maybe you're out hunting archery deer, but you're keeping an eye open for areas that might be good for grouse or for pheasants or for doves or quail. Maybe you're out hunting fall turkey, but you're also keeping an eye open. Maybe you're out hunting pheasants, but you're looking for, okay, what other birds are out here? Where are they? What other opportunities might there be? Maybe I'll do one of those hunts another time. Maybe you're out scouting for something. You're scouting for waterfowl areas, but you're keeping an eye out for, okay, where are their doves? Where are their birds? What, what's around here? What other options are there? Any time in the woods that I'm hunting, I'm also scouting. And if I'm scouting, I'm usually hunting. 
You know, I'll go out crow hunting sometimes in the off season just to have an excuse to be in the woods. And really, I care more about scouting for other game, but the crow hunting gives me a reason to get out there and do something and maybe get a little wing shooting practice at the same time. Uh, I'm not lumping crow hunting into all of these things that I've been talking about today. I've done a number of other episodes on crow hunting. In fact, you can go to the website, newhuntersguide.com, go to the categories, go to crow hunting, and you got lots of content there about crow hunting and all other kinds of hunting, of course. Got over 100 episodes on deer hunting, scores of episodes on turkey hunting, scores of episodes on waterfowl hunting woodchucks and predators and elk and there's all kinds of stuff there of course this is just a this episode here is part of the small game series that i've been doing uh getting that onto the board for people just been absent for too long but head to the website check it out lots of stuff there for you also links to help support the show on patreon which I would really appreciate you considering supporting the show, becoming a Patreon supporter. It's essentially a platform that enables you to do micro gifts to help fund creators, and it minimizes the the transfer or the the transaction fees and so on. So a very small percentage gets dissolved uh, by the platforms themselves. Really help support this channel as well as the youtube channel and all the testing that we do on youtube and gear and ammo and bismuth and tungsten and lead and steel and everything else different choke tubes all of that costs money and really appreciate your support now if you want to go after and hunt these birds and you got some tactics and you got some strategies and you found where they are the third thing that you need is equipment what kind of gear do you need to hunt these birds? And thankfully, this is rather simple. You're going to need, most of the time at least, some orange. Uh, you're probably going to want an orange hat, orange vest. Some places it may be mandatory, some it may be recommended. If you're in a public hunting area and there are going to be other people out there hunting, absolutely wear orange, okay? Other people are idiots. I know everybody listening to this show right now, you're smart, you're sharp, you're a genius, you're super safe, but everybody else out there is an idiot. All right? And they will shoot you. Okay? It's just, you just got to go out there assuming that. If you're not wearing orange and you're surrounded by other hunters and birds flush, you might get shot. All right? People pull up to shoot, and if they don't see orange directly in front of them, in the in the path of their, their shooting, then you might get shot. Now... We could spend the entire show just talking about that, but you want to be safe. You want to wear orange, especially if you're hunting where any other people may be. Even if you're going with people, they're your people, right? You're walking in a group, wear orange. Because when a bird flushes to the left, they're going to swing that shotgun over, might point it directly at you. They might swing through you to find that bird and if you're wearing orange, that's a big, bright, blinking neon sign. Oh, hey, idiot, don't shoot there. That's a guy. All right. Just people, especially newer people, um, you know, the reflexes, they're, they're, how quick they're thinking, their adrenaline, you know, a bird flushes and, you know, they can do some crazy stuff. Somebody's been doing this for 20 years. They're not going to be thrown off and react and you know, just throw up their gun and just start shooting blindly into the air. Now, they're, they're going to be more seasoned than that. They're going to take their time. They're going to be focused. They're not going to shoot somebody else. 
at least not at close range, not knowingly, not if they're wearing orange. And so you got to be careful. Okay. The good news is that, I don't know if I should say this or not. I'm going to say it. The good news is that, you know, if somebody shoots a bird 200 yards away and that shot ends up coming and hitting you, most of the time it's raining down like small hail. Okay. It's not going to hurt you at range. I have had shot rain down on me multiple times. All right. It, there's no danger. There's no, you know, if you're, if you're beyond 150 yards or so, especially if they're shooting an upward trajectory and then that shot then drops, you're pretty safe. I mean, that kind of thing is, is not something to worry about. It's close range. You know, if anything within a hundred yards, you're at serious risk. If, if, you know, that's going to happen with bird shot. All right. Now, when you're shooting with a rifle, that bullet can be fatal a mile away. You know, 30 caliber rifle is not the same story at all. But shotgun range is drastically limited. Those pellets go drastically shorter. Um, you're, and they carry a lot less energy, especially once they get out of their red zone. Um, much, you know, they, oftentimes even... Even within a hundred yards, pellets are not going to break clothing and skin. Um, the only real damage is your eyes, right? That's that's what's at most at risk if something crazy like that happens. I am not advocating being careless. I'm just saying, you know, if you got a hundred acres and a dozen people walking it and shooting, it's not that unsafe unless you have people that are too close to each other within the red zone of a shotgun blast. All right, so you want to wear orange. You're going to have shoes or boots that you need to be able to walk in significant distance. All right, you're going to cover ground. Whether you're beaten brush or not, you're going to cover ground. You got to be able to walk. Whether it's hot or cold, you need to dress for that. Thankfully, oftentimes you're moving in this kind of hunting, so getting cold and freezing up is not so big of a deal. Even moderate clothing is going to keep you warm if you're climbing mountains. Um, and then when you're done, you just go home, right? It's not like outdoor hiking and you're 30 miles away and you got to make camp and now you're wet and you're going to freeze to death. It, usually you're not in those kinds of scenarios. So you don't need all this specialized temperate gear and all this big money stuff. You definitely need ear protection. Bird hunting, you do a lot of shooting. You got to have ear protection. All right. I absolutely hands down recommend Tetra hearing. They are second to none and there is no close second to them. They are the best hearing protection on the market in the world that I'm aware of. Their stuff is outstanding, but it's not cheap. All right. And if you're a new hunter and you're just getting after this, you probably need to find a cheaper option to get started with. And there's a bunch of things out there in the $100 range that you can get. You stick them in your ears and you can hear, you know, they're digital, they're electronic. You're going to be able to hear some of what's going on around you. With bird hunting, especially if you're trying to flush them, you really need to be able to hear those birds flush. So just wearing straight earplugs is not great, you know, but they're cheap. If you only have a dollar, buy earplugs, save your hearing. Uh, save up money to get something better in the future. But in the $100 range, you can get some stuff. Walker makes some things. There are several other companies in that entry-level price category that make a viable product that you can get started with 
And then I'd recommend, if you like this bird hunting, if you're into it, if you enjoy it, if you're going to keep doing it, then you need to put a, a pair of Tetras on your list of things you need to save up for. Um, it is just that important. All right, Head to my website again, newhuntersguide.com. I've done a full review on the Tetras. I've done video reviews on YouTube. Um, I've even got them to give me a discount code for you guys, which you can find on the website and on YouTube uh, in case you're, you know, you want to go after them, but you know, you got to have ear protection. The other thing, this is, this is a biggie, but I cover it last guns and ammo. What are you going to use to hunt these birds? Well, you need a shotgun almost exclusively in those rare situations where you're shooting, you know, a, uh, a partridge or a grouse out of a tree or whatever, then, you know, you might be able to use a 22, but 95% of, or more of all bird hunting is going to be done with a shotgun. What kind of shotgun do you need? Well, my advice has always been the best shotgun for you to start with is the one you already have can easily and legally borrow or can buy used cheap. All right. Because you don't know what kind of shotgun would be good for you and where you hunt and how you hunt. And you need to have something in your hands to get into the woods that is going to work. Anything will work. A single shot, 20 gauge, bolt action, whatever will work. will get you into the woods. 16 gauge, 28 gauge. 410 is a little soft. I probably wouldn't go out bird hunting with a 410 unless it is the only gun you have. And um, I wouldn't expect to bring home a whole lot of birds either unless you're using like tungsten shells, which you're probably not if you're a new hunter. So, but any traditional gauge shotgun can work. Semi-automatic, pump action, bolt action, over-under, side-by-side double barrel, single shot break action, anything can work all right it's it's anything a lot of people they love a over under shotgun for bird hunting they love it it's their favorite they swear by it they'll they'll buy a twenty thousand dollar italian made perezzi over under and uh they just love it it's it's their favorite they're they're sold out other people love semi-automatic you know you get more shots they, they enjoy it. They love it. They, you, couldn't, you couldn't wrestle it from their hands. Other people love their bolt action. They just, they're all about it. They're 100% all in. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you get what's right for you, what fits your style, what fits how you hunt and where you hunt. And you cannot know that until you get out into the woods. And once you've gotten some experience, once you've gone a few times or a few seasons, then you, you've got a sense of what'll work, what won't work. Go, go to some gun shops, you know, get a feel for some different guns, hold some different guns. I personally am a semi-auto fan. I just, for me, it's, it's the simplest way to go. I don't have to think about my gun. I can think about the hunt. I don't have to, there's just less data to compute in my mind. Often with an over-under, you're thinking about, okay, which, which barrel am I gonna use? Maybe you got different choke tube in each one. Maybe you even have two triggers. You know, if you've got a pump action, you've got to build that muscle memory to work the pump every time. I don't want to have any of that other stuff going on in my brain for me. I just want to fill that thing with shells and go out there. And some people say, well, George, what if it malfunctions? 
What if, you know, an over-under is more reliable than a semi-auto? You know, I don't know about that. Okay, maybe a little, slightly. I don't know. What happens if you have a malfunction? Well, whatever. You had a malfunction. Okay, you lost a pheasant. Maybe. You might have missed even if you didn't have a malfunction. So what? You lose a pheasant every couple years, maybe because they have a malfunction. Every gun can malfunction. Whether it's an actual firearm failure, whether it's user error, you know, sometimes person working the slide on a pump action, they don't push it forward all the way, or they didn't pull it backwards far enough, or they're working an over-under, they just forgot to put a bullet in the second barrel, they just, or a shell, they just forgot, they put one in, thought they put two, uh, whatever. And of course, any mechanism can break no matter how simple or how complex. And that is not a good way to tell what the right shotgun for you is. The right shotgun for you is the one that fits your style, your desires, what you value, what works in your brain, what complements you. And so the only way for you to figure that out, though, is to hunt with something for a while and get some experience. Some people think certain guns swing and point better. Some people think certain guns have better balance. And I got news for you. You could have two, two of the same kind of gun and one swings and points better and one has better balance than the other. It has nothing to do with the action. So those are just different things to keep in mind. Get experience and then go to the store. Don't go to the store first and get experience. All right. It's way better to go to the field first and the store second. What kind of ammo for bird hunting? Well... The good news is uh, you can shoot down pheasants with a lot of stuff. You can shoot them down with lead. You can shoot them down with steel. You can shoot them down with bismuth. You can shoot them down with tungsten if that's how you roll. And that's how deep your pockets are. All right, You can use lots of stuff and all of them work if you use the right stuff. So if I'm going after pheasants, I am probably going to use number five lead. Maybe sixes. Maybe fours. Depends on the day, my mood, what's on sale. Um, I'm probably going to go, though, with maybe number number 5 lead, maybe, I don't know, 1,200, 1,300 feet per second. Not a huge deal. How much load? It doesn't matter. I mean, whether it's an ounce and a quarter, ounce and a half, ounce and five-eighths, you know, the price and what's in stock on any given day matters more to me, really, than that. Um, probably going to go with number fives, probably going to go with two or probably three inch shells because I've got a gun that'll shoot them, but it doesn't really matter what brands. Oh man, there's so many out there. There's no sense at this point in your hunting journey with even worrying about it. All right. There just isn't any pheasant load is probably going to be just fine. If there's a pheasant on the box, yeah, you're going to pay more, but it's probably going to be just fine. You don't worry about it too much. Four fives or sixes for pheasants. I tend to go with fives. Velocity somewhere in the 12, 1300 range. Plus or minus is fine. Payload. If it has a pheasant on the box though, I mean, it's going to be well calibrated. Is plated shot worth paying for? I think it is mostly because you end up getting better patterns. Now, I don't know if it's better patterns because of the plating or because they end up using better wads and more consistent powder and they just make a higher caliber. Caliber is the wrong word when you're talking about ammo. They just make a better product. 
when you're spending more money and they're making a premium grade ammo, um, that's probably as much or more having to do with it than any benefit of the plating itself. Uh, except if you're using steel, then the plating's primary job is to keep the steel from rusting. And so that's good if you're going to keep your ammo for a long time. Um, if you're going to go out hunting pheasants with steel, I'm probably going to use number fours, maybe number threes. Um, maybe number twos, I don't know. I'm probably going to use fours or threes of steel if I'm going out with for pheasants. If I'm going out for pheasants with bismuth, I'm probably going to use number fours. Um, if I'm going out with tungsten, and I, I can't imagine what scenario I ever would, I'm probably going to use number nines. Same thing I would use to hunt ducks. Now, if you're going out for grouse or partridge or quail or any such smaller bird, um, you're going to step down in shot size. So you're going to probably, number six lead is going to be the biggest you're going to use. You're probably going to use six or seven lead, maybe seven and a half, six, seven and a, six, seven, seven and a half. Some people will go after grouse with fives just to get more range. You know, you do you. If you're going out after doves, okay, there you definitely want to use smaller shots. Seven and a half is pretty much my default. Target loads. Target loads. All right, if it has a picture of a dove on the box, great, but you, you're using target loads to hunt doves. That's pretty much what's going on. All right, you want to get out there with the cheapest ammo you can find because you're going to take a lot of shots and you don't want a lot of recoil and you don't want to pay a lot. And if you have, if you go out after doves with number fives, you're not going to be anything left. Okay, if you go at them with number twos, you're just going to obliterate them. Number seven and a half or number seven or number eight is perfect for dove hunting. I default to seven and a half because it's the easiest to find. Best balance between speed, power, range, and cost. For me, where I hunt and how I hunt and ammo that I can buy in my stores. For you, might be a little bit different. Uh, if you're going to go after doves with steel shot, then maybe number fives or number sixes. Probably number sixes. Fives or sixes. Somewhere in that zone. If I'm going out with bismuth, I'm using sixes or sevens. And then, yeah, I just can't imagine you would ever shoot doves with tungsten, but you'd probably want number 10 shot. Um, TSS, maybe, maybe 11. Do they even make 11? They probably make 11. Probably 10 TSS, or, or if they make 11, use that. Dove is basically the lightest thing in the air that you can try to knock down that there's still enough meat on to actually eat something. And are they good eating? They can be outstanding eating, actually. Um, they are a delicacy in various parts of the world. They can eat very nicely. You just breast them out. You get the whole breast out whole. And that's pretty much all the meat there is on them. All of these birds make great eating. Pheasants are delicious. A lot of people say grouse is the best tasting bird on the planet. Better than chicken. Better than everything else. You get the right kind of grouse in the right place eating the right thing. They say it is the best tasting bird out there. I don't know that I agree or not, but there are people persuaded that grouse is the king of birds when it comes to eating. And all of these birds make great eating. They really do. They are delicious. Um, and they're just really good. And I could go on and bore you guys to tears with facts about all of these or how to cook them and so on. But um, 
that's pretty much the focus of this particular episode. Make sure you subscribe to the New Hunter's Guide if you do not already. Head to the website. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note, email, question, comment, feedback, pictures of the birds that you shoot. You can reach me through Facebook and through YouTube and the website. I I read everything that comes in and respond to everything that's legitimate. So really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Consider supporting us on Patreon. And uh, head to iTunes, leave a five-star review with comment. It's the number one way to help grow the channel and reach more people. Till next time, God bless you guys, and go get them in the woods.